Dear ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Digital Savages Challenging the Status Quo podcast with your host, Amir Sabirovic. In the previous episode of Challenging the Status Quo, we had the pleasure of talking to Sven Lauch. And here's a short part of our conversation. I would basically want to go back to when I was 15, um, when this whole life fell apart. And the one thing I would like to give this 15-year-old um, is the emotional intelligence tools and resources that I have now in order to really uncover the value of that story to not kind of disconnect myself emotionally from what happened to me but actually having the tools and resources to stay emotionally connected to what's happening to me um, and that's kind of, that's the one thing I would love to have had back then, you know. I mean, of course, you want to teach your child this much earlier, but if you ask me for an age, that's the age I would like to go back to and teach this 15-year-old some valuable skills in the middle of the crisis and say like, hey. Are you curious about the rest of the story? Tune in to the previous episode and listen to everything that Sven has to say about building emotional intelligence and how to be a leader of the future. For now, let's tune in to our next guest. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Challenging the Status Quo. Today we have Josie Nakash straight from Israel and she's the founder at Good Vibe Agency and her motto is that uh, the currency of tomorrow is good energy. So I'm already anxious to hear her life story and every challenge and, of course, good vibes from her travels and journeys. Josie, welcome. Thank you, Amir. Sorry, there's a bit of wind where I'm standing. I'm outside in my garden, as you know. <laughs> so. the, the, no worries, no worries. Then people have the experience of the surroundings is almost uh, a bit of nature. Uh, a bit of nature to it. Hey, Jesse, could you please tell us what your background is and how did you get where you're right now and what were your what was your journey? I was born in Canada. We moved to Israel when I was 12. We actually sailed to Israel on a 28-foot Cape Dory sailboat. It's a whole long story. Um, I, 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 I'm one of the top marketing experts in Israel. Um, to the high-tech sector. I've launched lots of our most successful startups to the world. Uh, I started as a copywriter, and it all sort of started really by accident. Like, just one thing led to another. And my first uh, customer was Tal Brody, who's a very famous American basketball player in Israel. I did his image, and that, that, that led to something else, and that led to something else. And before I knew it, I was in the middle of this whole high-tech scene, just when everything was exploding here with all the startups, and nobody actually knew what marketing was back in those days, and they weren't focused on marketing. They just had this technology, the Israeli founders, and they thought the whole world was going to come knocking their door down for their technology. And I was like, nobody understands what you do. So until I explain to the world what you do, nobody's going to come knocking your door down. So for many, many years, I was uh, with the startups, Israel's most, you know, the best and the brightest. They come out of the intelligence corps in the Israeli army. They open startups. They're very, very successful. They pick 
something up in the army that you can't get anywhere else in the world. It's a place where they throw people together, rich, poor, all colors, all classes thrown together. And you become very, very close with the people around you. You're, you're dependent on each other. It's, you know, it's some life and death situations you go through together. So lots of our startups are people that were in the army together and then they came out and they started these startups and they have this amazing connection, this amazing bond. And I see that as the, really the basis for their success. And uh, so there was no, there was no grand plan. You just really just the opposite. Like I came out of school and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to study. And I was, I had nobody to guide me. Uh, I saw my friends were going to like, you, you know, they were signing up for university. So I was like, okay, I'm also going to get a degree because that's what everybody else is doing. And you know, I was like from a wealthy family. It's not like we were short of anything. It's not like I had to go work at McDonald's. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That I actually did do a lot of jobs like that because, you know, when you head out on your own, you do everything yourself. I was waitressing in New York for a while. I was working. Um, this is after my degree. I went to look for myself again in New York and I was working for these very, very wealthy people who were doing projects for Rupert Murdoch. And I became their personal assistant. And I used to rollerblade all over New York with all their credit cards, $2,000 cash. I used to walk into Polo Ralph Lauren, buy them clothes. They sent me to France. I got organized a whole apartment for them in France. I bought them a sailboat. I used to buy them cars, go pick them up. Like it was a total job from Cosmopolitan where you're like skating into the bank on rollerblades and depositing checks for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the bank manager is like so happy to see you. Like I really, really, my mother calls it my MBA program working for these people. So you learned a lot from him. I learned I learned a, everything you can possibly learn about like he he always he he always used to say to me Josie every day there's one thing you're going to do that's more important than everything else and nothing else matters when you're doing that one thing and so I always took that with me lots of tips like that he was a super super intelligent person that I was working for him and his wife and would you say that that led you to where you are right now or just circumstances Again, I wish I could say there was a grand plan and I, I wish it had gone easier, but really I was just falling from one thing to the other and all kinds of personal tra tragedies in my family. Also, things kept knocking me down and I kept asking to pick myself up from nothing. It was it was a very hard and challenging journey. Let's put it that way. It's not like things were handed to me on a platter. But then when I did get on the path of starting marketing and copywriting and that, then things it did feel that things were sort of being handed to me on a platter and for a very certain reason to bring me in a very specific direction. Okay, it's, it seems like you, you had the ingredients, you only had to find the recipe that you wanted to cook for yourself. But exactly. you gathered the ingredients during your experiences with all these peoples. Exactly. And then, you know, I always felt as an English speaker in Israel, you know you have something very valuable just by being an English speaker. But still, when I was young, I didn't know what to do with it. So I walked into an agency once, and I remember the older I think he was a British guy who was the owner and he looked at my CV and I might have been like really young and he just said, there's nothing marketable about you, you know? And I'm like, 
there's nothing marketable about me. And I went and like, and the next couple of years of my life was to prove this guy wrong, you know, <laughs> and that's, and that's, <laughs> why, and that's why I became, I think, so good at what I did because, you know, of course I have marketable value. I mean, come on, I'm an English speaker in Israel. And really, it's a big plus to be an English speaker in Israel because, you know, they all, all the companies, they want to get out to the world. And, and now looking back and, and where we are right now, uh, what is your definition of success? My definition of success is to really transform an entire industry to really, really impact the world in a big way. And I'll tell you where I'm coming from. A couple of years ago, we discovered that my grandfather is very, very famous um, artist and illustrator, Carl Schenker. German-British uh, artist. And I knew growing up that he was famous, but we only realized how famous. A few years ago, a curator from the Ludwig Museum put together a whole exhibition, and they made a whole book about him. And my my brother's daughter in Canada came home one day from university, and she said, Dad, I think we're learning a course in university about your grandfather, you know? So then we discovered that he was this really big artist. And at first I discovered it, and they sent me the book, and I was like, wow, it's nice and everything. But as time goes by, I'm realizing that this person had this amazing craftsmanship and he actually used to take celebrities and he used to make them beautiful. He was a stylist. He, you know, that whole 1930s look with the furs and everything. He created that whole look of the 1930s. He influenced a whole generation. All the stars, all the celebrities, all the politicians used to come to him. He used to style them. He used to put makeup and everything. He used to photograph them and then he used to fix the blemish, blemishes because he was, you know, so multi-artistic. So he actually invented Photoshop, my grandfather. <laughs> and, um, and just over the last few weeks, I'm starting to realize this does have a lot to do with me. This is in my DNA. He really changed the direction of, of you know, the whole look of those days. He really influenced a generation. And I also want to really influence generation. And I'm sorry now that at a certain point in my life, I tried to fit in and try to, you know, get into the marketing world and be like everyone else. I'm not like everyone else. My job is to shake things up and to bring something much better. And I can already see right now that the whole world of marketing, I'm planning on shifting it completely so that a year from now, people won't even remember how boring marketing was, you know, like. At, at our time that you just go into these sites and you just see products and services at these boring aesthetic, you know, HTML that we've gotten into over the last years. We're entering a very, very human stage of business and everything has to be more human. People have to feel warmth. They have to feel love. So I'm hoping that that whole stage of, you know, doing everything perfect and the graphic artist makes everything look perfect and photos and, and, um, image bank images and we know we use all those fake images and fake video from i'm hoping all that is going to just die away and we're going to start creating real examples and companies of people together real positive human connection and we'll embed those examples into the right into the brand and not just on the brand but also on the things that we buy anything that we pick up I'm hoping we'll use that space for new messages and, you know, humanity needs to be uplifted. Humanity needs guidance. Humanity needs to understand what's going on. So really recently I started to understand that um, 
like my grandfather, I'm hoping to really influence a whole generation. That's a beautiful goal. Um, and I, I agree totally with you that actually we lost the touch. touch. It's more con consumerism and, you know, buy, 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 buy. But nobody asks you actually, what do you need? Uh, what would you love to have? Uh, more genuine connection with, uh, with the customers, clients, or I would say human beings um, that is totally missing out. <clears throat> hey, and, and it, of course, you said that um, your journey was special. It had hardship in it, both personally and professionally. So it's kind of a, a tough question to ask, but if I would give you a magic wand and you could go, go back to whatever Josie uh, at a certain age, what what would be your advice to be uh, be to her? What would you tell her? My advice would be, you know, why are you trying to fit in? Why are you trying to, you know, suit yourself to a certain standard? You're different. You're special. You grew up in special circumstances. I really grew up in a very, you know, very close to nature in a small town 20 miles north of Montreal. And at one point we started, they started sending me to the private Jewish school near the city because they wanted to encourage my brother to study for his bar mitzvah. So all of a sudden I'm in this school with people who are Jewish kids who are very different from me. They grow up in a very certain way. They know all the TV shows. We didn't even have a TV in our house because my parents were very into, you know, not eating any junk, not watching TV. Everything was like outdoorsy. And then we, I get to the school and like I'm this weird person, you know, because I don't know, I don't know what Starsky and Hutch is, you know, that everyone was watching in those days. I don't have a stationary collection like all the girls had. I don't go to Miami every winter for for the break, uh, the vacation. So, and you know, from that point on, it was great too. And I always, I, I, I was working very hard to like suit myself. I, I, I have to, I have to blend in. I have to blend in. And, you know, now that I'm looking back, why did I need to blend in? Why was it so important to me? Why is school such a war zone where kids <laughs> go in there and it's like survival every single day? And these cliques and you're either in the clique or you're outside the clique. Either you're in the clique and you're being horrible to other kids or you're outside the clique and everyone's like treating you like you have some crazy disease, you know. Why is school like such a tough place? My God, um, that's other other things I'm concerned with. The whole values in society. Well, they're preparing them for the lifelong of slavery, because exactly. you shouldn't fit in. Uh, you should fit in. You should not be an anomaly. You should not be unique. I mean, everything it's a, it's a kind of forbidden, uh, and all measures and rules and and uh, rules are meant to keep you contained, right? But so you now, cannot find yourself. They kill all the uh, creativity and artists and children. But now the pandemic has changed all that because um, now kids are at home with their parents. They're discovering their strengths. They're getting all this warmth and love from the home. And they're discovering this new way to connect uh, virtually. They're discovering all these new inner capacities. So in lots of ways, the pandemic is very good for kids. Really, the environment in the school is its poison. It's toxic. You can only learn bad examples there. Kids learn from example. I just—I was just thinking the other day, 
in grade two, I used to go into the bathroom every day. There was a girl there from grade five, and she was like this old lady. She used to come into the bathroom every day with a pack of cigarettes and a lighter and just smoke up, like just light up in the bathroom. All the little kids are going in and out, and she's standing there talking about, yeah, this is the kind of cigarettes I buy, and this is how much I smoke. And, this, and that's an example that I was exposed to in grade two in a private Jewish school. I mean, it's just a place where you can get really bad examples. Yeah, and it's always world according to the teacher, right? It's always what? World according to the teacher. Because it's one perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's not the world perspective. It's very narrowed. It's very primitive, and it's I, hopefully that stage is over. We're, we're heading into a circular stage where everybody needs to be heard, you know, collective intelligence. We rise together, we advance together harmoniously, and for sure those stuff they pounded into us from 200 years ago is for sure not relevant now. We don't, we can, our kids can learn that stuff themselves. They don't need to sit in a class like robots to learn that stuff. What they need to learn when they're together is all about human connection and human harmony. And I was in an education session the other day, and then I realized there's such a parallel between what needs to happen in the business world and what needs to happen in schools. Kids need to learn about all these human things and human leadership and this whole transformation that needs to happen in the business world. It's a very similar transformation that needs to happen in the world of education. It's like not two separate things because how are we going to transform education if kids go home and see that their parents are, you know, these terrible examples uh, of humans not being able to get along even in their own house, even with their neighbors. So this is a, a huge transformation humanity is going to go through. And I'm hoping the example will come from the business world. Because in the business world, you can you don't have to wait for some policy change, government or something. In the business world, you have control over people. You're paying them a salary and you can decide, okay, now I'm going to invest in human connection. Now I see how important it is. We need to override this thing called the eco. All this eco is popping up between people and I can see it's going to destroy my company in a few months. So I'm going to invest in human connection, which is what I'm telling leaders to do right now. And then this example, it's going to influence the actual company. It's going to influence circles around the company. Everybody in the company is going to go home and it's going to influence also their families. So this is how we're going to be able to create new waves of consciousness and get spread, you know, the good kind of virus in the world, which is the antidote to the virus that we're seeing right now, which is really just showing us where all the toxic energy between humans is. I think that's uh, that's also a beautiful goal to to achieve. As uh, I think that is the our next stage of evolution, business-wise and in private lives. Although I don't see the difference. I think if you're really in the flow of doing things that you love, um, you can do them 24/7. There is no, I mean. You don't need to celebrate weekend or need a holiday for that matter. Uh, so. And uh, you already said it, but I'm going to specifically ask it. Uh, what do you do to challenge the status quo? Yeah, my whole thing is about ch challenging the status quo. And what I'm concerned about right now is how are we going to get people to change? Like what else has to happen for people to change? It's not enough that this pandemic came and totally slammed the whole world on the brakes and all the things that we, we thought were so important to us are starting to disappear. That's not enough. Um, 
I just spoke to a friend yesterday. Her daughter was sick. Now she's sick. I mean, like, what else has to happen before people stop and say, you know, do, do people really think all these things are random? All these, this is the only way for nature to wake us up. These negative instances, when somebody gets really sick in, a, in the family or something happens, you have a serious car accident or you get fired, you know, all these things are intended to wake us up. But I see that people aren't waking up. People just think everything's going to go back to normal. But humanity needs to wake up. People need to stop and say, okay, this happened. Why is this happening? Maybe nature's trying to get a message to me. Maybe nature wants me to do something. Maybe I'm supposed to change my life, you know, a little bit. Um, you can't just carry on and carry on and, and just ignore these messages all the time because they're going to keep coming. And they're going to be getting stronger and stronger because nature is way, way stronger than us. <laughs> nature has many, many ways of uh, waking us up. And right now it's been a very gentle wake up. But now you see the storm season is coming. Um, and it's you can already see the pictures that we're used to every year. People wading through water. So when you ask me what I'm doing to change the status quo, I used to talk about these things and write about these things in a very standard kind of gentle way. And this year, that's it. With the pandemic, now I'm speaking very openly about what has to change. And we need to wake up and we need to understand that we live in the system called nature. We need to understand how it works. We need to understand that the human ego is peaking in our time and exactly what we can do to redirect that energy. Like we need to wake up out of this coma that we're in, that we think every day I could just get up, go to Starbucks, go to Walmart, go do this, go shopping, uh, go see a movie, watch Netflix for 20 hours every day. Those, that's behind us. Nature wants us to grow up. Nature wants us to improve, to change, to expand our consciousness. We're gonna have to do this. We're either going to go along with this with this process actively, or we're going to be pushed from behind through suffering. Yeah, I would say that um, masses are very sheepish. So I think maybe education on how... We've been, we've been dumbed down. We've been dumbed down for so many years. Yeah, but I think that is also due to the information you select to consume. Because actually all all the world worldly information is... is a, click of your mouse button but you choose to watch netflix for 20 hours you do not choose to but you are we are in an environment that influences us you're right to a certain extent but we're in an environment and we're influenced by the energy in the environment so all you can do right now because we're in an environment that, that encourages us to go to the mall and spend money and all that stuff at least we were until recently um all you can do is create another environment, a smaller environment, and in that circle, only put in good things. And, you know, you, you can decide, we're sophisticated enough at this point in our development, you can decide, I'm going to go to this circle because I want to be brainwashed there. We're being brainwashed all the time, advertisements and media and all that stuff. And if you're not doing something special, you're, you're being influenced by this general this general consciousness. So you can decide, I want to be brainwashed here in this place. Even if, you know, if tomorrow I put you in a, in a club of fishermen, you're going to be so inspired and so excited about going fishing and buying new equipment and 
You're going to be talking about it. It's going to get you up in the morning and you're going to have questions and everything because you're in that environment. If I put you in a prison tomorrow, you're going to be all into the best way to break into places and you're going to pick up all the tricks and you're going to learn everything that that's the collective consciousness in the prison. And you can decide. You can decide, I want to be brainwashed in this circle, this circle where people are focused on improving the world, on creating a better consciousness, on starting the shift. You can decide, I want to be brainwashed with these people because when you're with a group of people, virtually or physically, it doesn't matter, your thoughts and desires are being mixed together. So you can decide, I want to be with this people. I want these people influencing my thoughts and desires. Yeah, I think your environment is the biggest influencer. But you can also choose to brainwash yourself with the things that you deem uh, interesting enough to brainwash yourself and spread the word. I think that I think that time is over because the, the up until now we were in a stage. Up until a few years ago, we were still had self development, self help, all that stuff. And believe me, I was. I bought it. at one point in New York. I bought every self self help book in every store in New York. Believe me. So like all that Tony Robbins stuff, you know, I, I did all that stuff for years. But over the last few years, we've headed into a new stage. It's a collective stage. It's different. You can't do stuff by yourself anymore because this is about dealing with the human ego. So it's not something that we've got into the heart of the matter, the human ego that's speaking in our time. So that's not something you can fix by yourself because the more you try to do it, the more you're digging into your ego. That's why you have to have a circle of people that are consciously dealing with this thing together. And that's what I'm coming to companies and I'm telling them about now that there's this ego thing, this ego matter blocking all the good energy in your company, all the inspiration and creativity. And once companies deal with uh, not getting rid of it, you don't need to get rid of it. You need to sort of cover it. You need to redirect that energy to be for the good of the collective. And then these companies are going to fly forward. They're not going to have to sit and make sales calls. They're not going to have to work so hard doing all the regular things we do at work. They're going to work on strengthening their human connection. And that's where all the abundance and profit is going to come from. That's where all the success is going to come from. Because once you create this positive flow of human energy, people are going to be drawn to your company and they're going to want to buy products from you, even if you have the exact same thing that somebody else has. So that's why I'm saying, I think you said at the beginning that good energy is the new currency in the world. How are you going to create that new energy? How are you going to get rid of that toxic, egoistic, competitive energy that was so normal? Like, we're going to look back in a few years and think, how primitive were we? We were all suffering. We were all getting depressed. We were all getting sick, suicidal, addiction, all these things. How primitive were we? We were killing ourselves with the way things were before. There's a much better way to be here together where everyone can be happy. Everyone can have whatever they need. Kids will grow up happy and not, you know, suffering through school and then suffering through this and suffering through that. It's not necessary. No, I agree fully uh, on that. Uh, and I think bigger, uh, ego is the, the biggest enemy of growth in any way. Um, and, and speaking of self-help and, uh, and your self-development, um, I'm not going to call, call it a failure, but what is your biggest learning moment? Where, where, when did the light bulb, did you, say? you had your aha moment. Where did you learn most from in your life while having a biggest challenge? 
The biggest challenge for me was really not knowing what to do, not knowing what to do. Like I was always like looking around at others. What are they doing? You know, like, like, like I said before, I came out of school. I didn't know what to do. I came out of university. I didn't know what to do. What's everybody doing? They're going abroad. Okay. I'm going to go abroad too. Like I was always following everyone else instead of actually women inside. We have this very, very strong intuition very, very powerful. I think women more than men. And it, yeah, everything is inside you. You don't need to run and look at what other people are doing. It's all inside you. You need to tune in. You need to slow down and tune in. But I was in a big rush. I didn't have patience. You know, like I was in a rush. I, oh, everyone's going to university. I'm going to miss out. So I'm going to run over there. Oh, everyone's going abroad. So I'm going to rush over there. And it, you don't, you don't Flock need to behavior. rush. You need to listen to to your inside. You need to, there's something very, very powerful that we each have. That's our special spark in this collective thing we're built together. We each have our special spark and we need to discover it. And Josie, where, where do you get your inspiration from? I get my inspiration from spiritual writings. Um, I get my inspiration from the... I told you I'm part of a big spiritual community and we've been talking about this next stage of humanity for many, many years. So I already know how all this is going to play out. Humanity's going into a new stage now. It's going to be all about education. We're not going to have to work so much. We knew that before the pandemic that AI is coming and taking jobs. And now we're sort of blaming it all in the pandemic. But we all we were talking about things like universal basic income for many years already. So we've been expecting this stage for a long time. We know how it's all going to play out. People are going to be investing a lot more in human connection. Anyone who's getting any kind of government benefits needs to get needs to be getting some kind of scholarship program because we're already seeing that people are getting benefits. They put all these homeless people in hotels and on 79th Street. I was just reading yesterday in New York, a place where I used to live, a beautiful, beautiful place in Manhattan. And now there's all these people wandering around there, these, these homeless people that they have in hotels there. So, I mean, like these people, if you're giving them something, you have to educate them at the same time. You can't just give them a place to sleep and food to eat. You're not solving any problems with that. Exactly. Anything you give to people, which is great, also give them a tiny bit of education. We're here in this world together. We have to get along. This is what you can do with your spare time. Instead of just going and buying a beer with your benefits, you know, this is what you can do. You can use your energy to, to help others. We have to we have to give people this education because they're not just gonna wake up one morning and you know after everything they've been through, and and realize it themselves. People need to be occupied in a positive way. That's the next stage. Yeah, I think that is the. Uh, I mean, the the spiritual growth for everybody to be aligned with themselves and to be happy about themselves and self accept, self love. All those things are. Um, are missing out in the mass consumerization. So it's it's like machines or robots. And this starts within the educational system and it continues. And um, I would say, I'm not an expert on that in that field, but I would say that is what leads to depression. That 
that that's what leads to this. Not having a purpose, not exactly. having a purpose. You, you, you know, you feel like you don't matter, but everybody does matter. There's yeah, but, a reason why everyone. But also the the fact that people are not thankful for what they have, they always want more and more and more and better and bigger that, and faster. That's exactly. And... That's the human ego that's peaking in our time. And that's something that we have to learn about. We have to understand why we feel like that. We can't just expect people to wake up and understand, you know, this is something that has to be taught in schools and it has to be taught to adults. We have a human ego that will never be satisfied. Never, ever. It's not going to be satisfied. And that's why collectively together, we can decide to override that system. We can consciously decide to override it. But this is a this is a funny thing. I'm uh, I consider myself to be stoic, so I, I love uh, every everything that is written. I mean, you can see the books behind me. Um, I have a vast amount of stoic books from Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius, uh, Aurelius, uh, Zeno, etc. This stuff has been written down two thousand years ago. It's nothing new. I mean, what we're talking about now, right now, right? You know, uh, inner words, uh, no materialism, uh, focusing, not focusing on external, external things, not worrying, accepting the fact that you're going to die one day, maybe tomorrow, etc. Living in the moment is. Um, so, are we not repeating ourselves? <laughs> I mean, no, no, because there's a difference between everything that you just talked about and what I'm talking about. And this is the difference. This is what people need to understand about the new stage. The difference is that now we need to maximize the human ego. We need to take out this thing called the ego. And all those Eastern methods and everything is about calming the ego and wanting less and being like a, like a tree or whatever. That's not what we're here for. We are the speaking level of nature. We're here to get the most incredible, unlimited abundance there is in this world. Um, but to do that, we actually have to maximize the ego. We have to be very conscious of what this is, and we have to get into circumstances and environments, controlled environments where we're maximizing the ego in a very specific way so that it will benefit the whole. So in order to get to all that good, we're going to have to get into this thing. What is human nature? What is the ego? What is this system that we exist in? What, what is going on with this system? Like we totally, totally disregard. We build malls and we, you know, all the oil and the digging and they're raping the, the earth of its resources. What is really going on in this system? What are we idiots that we think we can do all this stuff and the, the system isn't going to react you know, that those days are over. Now we're going to have to discover what this system is. And the main part of the system is the human ego that impacts all the other layers of the system. I think this is a beautiful bridge to the next question. And that is, uh, where does your curiosity go today? What are you curious I'm about curious. right now? I'm curious, like I told you before, why it's so difficult for people to change. Why why aren't people getting that they have to change in a very significant way? That's what I'm curious about. That's what I, my biggest challenge is right now is, you know, people have to understand what's going on. Why, why don't they want to change? Well, I, I hope you discover it, and I'm I'm listening to your uh, videos and interviews. So, and uh, <laughs> we'll hear about it. We'll hear about it. Hey, Josie, I have one question that you you did not have on the list. 
If I would mm-hmm. give you the possibility to dine with three people, alive or dead, who would those three people be? Wow. <laughs> Oprah. Oprah, Tony Robbins. Who else is a really big influencer? Um, maybe Richard Branson. Oh, uh, like well, if I got... With your story about your grandfather, he would be on my list. that's true that's true i like i don't even like i don't even like realize that he's like part of my family i never met met him you know hey uh we have we have come to the to the end of the podcast and um i have the last question for you and that is if you could summarize everything that you have told me what would be your key takeaway for our audience The key takeaway is that everything's changing. It's changing for the better. And we need to adjust ourselves to the change. If we adjust ourselves, instead of just resisting like kids that don't want to take their medicine, you know, nature is like, take your medicine. And we're like, no, we don't want to take our medicine. If we go along with this process that nature is putting us through and stop resisting, because the process is going to happen whether we like it or not, if we go along with it, We'll suffer a lot less. Life will be a lot better. We're trying to hang on to something that really doesn't exist anymore. This whole egoistic system is is coming apart, and it's good. Nobody was happy. We weren't happy. Our kids weren't happy. Um, we were killing ourselves, basically. And we're heading into an amazing, amazing stage where everybody's going to be able to truly maximize that special spark that they have inside. Everyone's going to be able to really give to the whole their most amazing parts of themselves. That's what we're going to compete over. Until now, we were competing on on trampling over each other, and now we're going to compete at who can do the most for the whole. So we're heading into a whole new stage. It's going to be wonderful, but we just have to go along with what nature's trying to get us to. (laughs) I think that is a a beautiful closing and a great summarization of this uh, inspiring conversation between us. Josie, I would like to thank you for your time and for giving me that beautiful background. I feel like I'm at a holiday or a vacation somewhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you again. Uh, I, I hope thank we succeed you. together and um, good luck with everything you're doing right now. Good luck, Amir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dear ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. This was Josie Nakash, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Join us next week for the interview with Matthew Donald, author of Leading and Managing Change in the Disruption and Artificial Intelligence. He's also a speaker, mentor, and advisor. And here's a short part of our conversation. Yeah, that's right. I think you're, you're right. It, it's the, the technology is really the enabler. Um, Certainly, um, you know, you look at um, robotics, and um, I see the, the, you know, yes, we've got a technological thing that robotics um, needs to get more sophisticated, and perhaps it will with uh, 5G getting rolled out around the world. But the the thing that'll stop it um, from actually um, proliferating pretty quickly is that it first of all needs to be safe, um, and it needs to, like you say, be functional. Curious about the rest of the story? Tune in next week and hear everything that Matthew has to say about artificial intelligence and change in a digital age. For now, this was Challenging the Status Quo podcast with your host, Amir Sabirovic. See you next time. Ciao!